The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to this week's show at the Visual Workplace this radio show about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices and through visual systems, how to install the language of our current level of operation, operational excellence. And that is the current level of our current understanding of our operations, how to embed that into the living landscape of work. When we do, we make that concrete and specific through these specific tangible visual devices, solutions, systems, and through them we can literally see how we think. We can see our understanding. And that gives us a platform to do two things. First, to predict how that thinking will function. And secondly, to build on it to see where there are gaps, to see where we can go further because we have a tangible platform of our intelligence. And why do we bother? We bother for the bottom line benefits, improved safety, better quality, more line delivery, shrinking costs. We often see, me and my team, 15 to 30% increase in productivity and you know that is almost unthinkable. 3%, 7% we're happy. But when we do the visual workplace fully and effectively, when it is effectively implemented through all of the levels, we open all the 10 doors, we need to have at least five of them opened. If we have five of them open, we can see those kinds of benefits. We get this splendid cultural alignment as well, a spirited and engaged workforce on all those levels. And we enjoy ourselves at work. We go to work in the, in the words of my great friend Rick L., a master machinist at Denison Hydraulics, now Parker Hannafin. We do the dance of work. We do the dance of work. They used to call his cell, which was showcase level visual, the no thinking cell. When I asked Rick, I said, well, Rick, are you insulted by that? He said, no, no. And I said, well, what do people do when they come to your, to your cell? He said, they dance. They dance. it's hardly work because the whole thing flows the whole thing flows all the information is there where and when it's needed fully completely accurately on time beautiful the cell and the enterprise around it becomes increasingly conscious 
fluid. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So that's what our shows are about. We've been doing this. We're in our third year now. I had an anniversary about two weeks ago. Sorry I didn't celebrate it, invite you over for a party, but I think I was uh, on an airplane at the time. (laughs) And I'm very, very pleased to be talking to you now in my, I believe this is the beginning of my fourth year. So... Thank you very much for listening. I want you to know that podcasts are available of all of my radio shows. They are on our website at no charge. And they are also in groups so that you can follow topics and download them uh, as a, a topic, whether it's visual leadership for supervisors or 5S on steroids or improvement infrastructure or metric systems, whatever it is. We have them nicely cataloged on our website, and we are going to have a new website in about, I would say, three weeks, lots of things that are new. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to be able to get you some of the, many of the photos. We have 72,000 photos in our database. We're also going to start a newsletter, which should be coming out, I think, next week. In it, you'll see an announcement for some live webinars that I'll be doing once a month on the um, first Thursday I believe it's the first Thursday. Our first one will be November the 6th, coming up next month. I also want to, to let you know that I'm going to go to Scotland in December. I'm very, very excited about that. I'm going to Scotland, and I'm going to go to the Grant's Whiskey Factory, and we're going to do Visual Machine. It's a one-day hands-on workshop. I hope you can make it. It's going to be terrific. We will be sending out the announcements and posting it on our website very shortly. We're just getting the details worked out now. And then the week after, uh, no, the week before, I'll be in Cambridge, just above London, at a Siemens plant where we'll, we'll be doing visual leadership. And this is in December, first two weeks in December. So if you want more information, drop us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com. Visit our website, visualworkplace.com. And look for our blast. If you're not on our list, please just send in your email and we'll make sure you get the announcements. I'm very, very pleased to say that I believe the newsletter is going to truly add value and give you something of substance, not just promotional stuff, although there are some interesting new products we're getting out, but uh, actually uh, photographs and uh, conversations about the visual workplace. So I think that'll be very, very good. So this is our fourth show on Becoming a Leader of Improvement, the Executive Function, the second part of our series on visual leadership. And today I want to provide an histor- first a historical context for our journey into executive visuality. I want to kind of give you my take on where the so-called new ideas come from about leadership, what triggered the change. And as part of that, I ask, should Japan really get all the credit? (laughs) I'll have some things to say about that. And then I'm going to introduce to you the first of the five visual constructs for the executive leader. Construct is just another word for a tool, a mechanism for the new executive leader so that that leader can effectively understand and operationalize the corporate intent The five tools are Operation Systems Improvement Template. What a mouthful, but that's the first and the one we're going to be going over today. It'll take us several shows. The X-Type Matrix, tremendously 
effective tool, remarkable on all levels, sometimes misunderstood, but once you get the hang of it, it'll change every. It just changes everything. <laughs> okay, number three is the metrics, metrics that drive, different than mo- metrics that monitor. Four is the war room. And five is what I call the operations roadmap. So these are five distinct tools. I want to share what I've learned about these tools and about the way that visuality structures in thinking and behavior to create a new leadership paradigm, one that is both aligned and very effective. Okay? And this really is a continuation of our discussion last week when I uh, presented the seven-element profile of the, the kind of new job description for the executive leader. So let me begin now and give you a, a kind of a historical view, my take on why this kind of leadership is even in our conversation I've been working in the field of continuous improvement and strategic improvement, workplace visuality, for now going on 33 years. I've had a chance to see things come and some things go, but some things have stayed and those things have grown. I have seen these good things grab hold, bud, take root, widen, deepen. It's been a privilege to watch this and so very interesting. When we talk about executive leadership, we do so knowing full well that what we are seeing is not brand new. I think you know that as well as I do. This is not brand new stuff. There is an evolution. New in the larger scheme of things the scheme of things that measures progress not in days or months or even years, but in decades, new is what we're seeing. We're seeing a gradual evolution over what? Four decades? 40 years? Well, by some measure, but by another measure, it could be 100 years. That's one of the things I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about keeping our perspective so that we don't feel as though all this stuff is new and it's coming at us and it's going to run us over like a freight train. Not at all. You're quite prepared for these changes. Your life has prepared them for, has prepared you for them. You know, what changes in our world on the planet level changes fast, What's 40 decades in the life of the earth? But what changes for us on the human level seems really slow. We live in units of days. But this change, which has taken well over 100 years, is something that we're just becoming aware of in terms of changing our behavior, finding language for it. There are even larger units than decades larger than centuries. They're called yugas. I learned about this when I was studying ancient Eastern thought. Their metric is called a yuga. A yuga. That's 72,000 years. That's how they measure things. They're very old. It's good language though, isn't it? A yuga. You'll look as old as a yuga. (laughs) 
a paradigm that I'm in the process of sharing with you. This new vision for executive leadership through visuality has evolved for me over the past 15 years, more or less, maybe 20, maybe 18. It's been slow and common, sort of. But its genesis, its beginning, was before I was born. That's what I find so remarkable. I'm kind of harvesting the fruit of thinking that began to change way, way before I was The structure that visuality provides the ranking leader, the executive, is remarkable in its effectiveness. But the outcome it supports is something that started a long time ago. And it is reflected in a new set of personal and professional values that have been a long, long time in coming and are still finding their shape and the behaviors that can make them real in our everyday life our everyday personal life, and our everyday work life. So I want to pick this up after the break and tell you what I see, and then we'll move along and get into the operation systems improvement template in a short while. Not immediately, in a short while. I'll see you in a minute. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second segment of our show today at The Visual Workplace. I'm your host, Gwendolyn Galsworth. I've been working in visuality a very long time and loving every minute of it. And in this show, I'm able to share with you what I've discovered, what I'm learning, 
the kinds of places that I've landed and what I'm thinking about in the hope that this will help you on your own journey to operational excellence and maybe in some way personally as well. Maybe it will um, give you some perspectives that will be helpful in that regard. So just before the break, we were talking about the kind of historical or long view context about the change that I am in the process of describing for the executive, for the new executive, the new visual executive leader, the leader of improvement. I'm trying to, I'm kind of giving you a context in order to get us started on the right foot so that this does not seem radically new, but we also look at what its origins are. What is the change that we want from the new leader, the new executive, and where did it come from? Because I think that will help us kind of calm down about it's not that much of a departure, and yet it's going to be a bit challenging as well to make the change. So the historical view is that this change that we are experiencing now, and even on this very day during this radio show, the one that we're describing, this change we're describing, has a long history. And let's look at this. The shorthand for what an executive does runs something like this, to define, drive, and achieve the corporate intent. To define, drive, and achieve the corporate intent. But that intent is a moving target. It has evolved. It has evolved over the decades. It has evolved as our societal or society values evolve. Because please make no mistake, the everyday mores or values of our lives, the kinds of things that we value in our personal lives that we see reflected in our books and movies and sitcoms and our iconic heroes, seeped into the corporate world in a way that is perhaps subtle, but it is also unstoppable and powerful. There's barely a blurred line. Corporate structures are slower to respond because they're not people. They're these great, you know, chunks. But they are still subject to the changing values of our times. So when we look at the Industrial Revolution that started 100, 150 years ago, depending on how you measure it, many of the early makers of that revolution, Edison, Ford, Marconi, etc., etc., were intent on the social good, the good that would come from the machine and from mass production. But over the decades, that corporate intent, that intent for the good, morphed into something else that sounded simply make money. Make it, sell it, make it, sell it, make it, sell it, make money. It's a very narrow description of success. I'm sure you agree. But one that had become commonplace. It not only drove the economy, it drove our thinking. It made us very ambitious, wanting to jump over things. And the captains of industry, the masters of commerce, adopted this paradigm or this thinking And it was a paradigm of power and conquest. It's kind of like a colonial (laughs) point of view. What's ours is ours and what's yours is about to become ours. This kind of appropriation of other people's resources. Bad habit. It's a bad habit and we got our hand slapped. Our hand is uh, being slapped every single day because we are learning a new way. When we look 
at it, it really is the paradigm of capitalism, but kind of gone awry. Even It is even distorted capitalism. Capitalism is pretty darn good, but this one went into a kind of downward spiral that we're just recovering from. We were looking at uh, polar opposites. You could either be rich or poor. There could either be richness or scarcity. There could be dominance or fear, enslavement. It was a nasty bit of work. But that followed us, that thinking followed us into the 1950s and 60s and 70s. These forces were not acting in a vacuum. The larger society was changing and was aimed at toppling that imbalance. The larger society had other influences, other influences than making money. Lots of people credit the Japanese for changing our mindset and moving us forward towards a more enlightened company, more enlightened leaders. We looked to Toyota and Canon and Matsushita and on and on, Sumitomo, all the great companies in Japan. The notion in 1983 when I started that people mattered, the notion that people mattered when I started in 1983 was not just revolutionary, it was explosive. It was wham, wham, wham. All these ideas were just too much. An enlightened leader, an empowered workforce, open book management teams, thinking while working, measurement systems that gave feedback on me, explosive. Quality at the source, quality is free, quality pays, explosive. And a great deal, if not all the credit, was given to Japan, but I wonder... I wonder, yes, the Japanese gave us a highly coherent system of production, a business model that contradicted so much of our own here in the West in the 1970s. They gave us a new way of defining and achieving success, a new set of values that undergirded that success. But for me, Japan was not the trigger. You know what the trigger was for me? I was a New Yorker at the time. I would name Hair as the turning point. Remember that Broadway show, Hair? This was a show that stated in song and dance and the taking off of one's clothes that each of us had a right to long hair. That was what the whole show was about. I have a right to long hair. <laughs> Look, that was in the 19... Was it 1970? Maybe, maybe it was mid-60s. You know, right now, that's even part of the discussion. We not only have long hair, we have dreadlocks, we have purple hair and green hair, we even have shaved heads. (laughs) All of this came to us, this sense of liberation, this explosion of consciousness, this sense of me, that people mattered, not only that, more importantly, I mattered. The I suddenly came forth. The I, a new consciousness, began to grab hold. And it became manifest first in our personal choices. Very personal, as I cited. You know, I want to have long hair and you're not going to stop me. You know, I'm going to get all my long-haired friends and we're going to march. (laughs) We're going to wear sneakers. We're going to run down the street. (laughs) Revolutionary, mind-boggling. Because it 
replace the previous assumptions of what was okay. Turn them on their head, so to speak. That is the nature of paradigms when they shift. Everything goes back to zero. Nothing of the old landscape remains. A new geography takes place. Wham, bam. We find ourselves in a new land. It's our land. A new space. It's our space. And the tight corollary on the societal level between body and mind and behavior. We began to change our bodies, take charge of our bodies, change our minds. You lived through it with me. But that was the precursor for me. That was the herald. That was the robin in the spring back in the 60s that announced things to come. Who knew it would be the Toyota production system when it came to industry? What a surprise. But remember all those books in the 1960s and 70s? Remember Alvin Toffler, 1970, Future Shock? And then 15 years later, The Third Wave, all those trend books? The thinkers amongst us were trying to pull the future out of this new present. And as they say, extrapolate, a fancy word for figure out what was next. Many of them got it right, but not in detail, only in general. What they got right was everything is changing. Everything is changing. And you know, I don't think it would be wrong if you spotted World War II as the maker of the change. I really don't. When we, as Americans, literally left the boundaries of our country, we went global and we expanded way, way beyond comfort zone. You know, I would also point to another revolutionary musical that captured this seismic social change, South Pacific. When you first see it, it's perfectly bourgeois, it's entertaining, it's pretty, but in fact... It was packed with the genius of the times. Richard and Oscar, Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein, they got it right. They got the scent of it. They put it into form. And some of you have heard about the recent revival, 2008-2010, at Lincoln Center, where all of the veils were lifted and a certain emphasis was made so we could see the need for racial parity, the need to listen, to need, the need to love in a new way. You know, and, and the theologians might even cite Yeshua, Jesus, as the maker of the change 2,000 years ago, because according to them, if you read the books, the commentaries, what Yeshua did was introduce the concept of the individual 2,000 years ago, that before he came, we had no idea of ourselves as, as unique uh, entities. We were either rich or poor, slaves or, or kings. But this was the revolution, big, big part of the revolution that he brought. And it took a while to trickle down, didn't it? It took 2,000 years to ignite. And this is what we're in now. So I want to say this because I want you to understand that this new leader is the result of an evolution that has been gradual, almost invisible. I'm not springing something new on you. I'm simply using visuality to give it a structure and make it effective. I want to disabuse you of the notion that Japan taught us about this change. In my view, Japan simply responded to 
the changes that the entire industrialized world was experiencing to experiencing at that time, only they did it faster because of the particular and enormous pressures of post-war Japan on that war-ravaged economy, if you can even call that devastation an economy. That just brought everything into crisp perspective much faster. And the the values had begun to shift in Japan with the demise of the Empire of the Sun. So, you know, they, they got clobbered left and right, left and right. But the output was completing this shift in values so that we could see it in the form of the Toyota production system, the Canon production system. As I said, Sumitomo and Matsushita has, had comparable models. So this is my, I mentioned this today again because I want us to contemplate leadership from a historical time-bound perspective and to reason the change in our leadership against the backdrop of history and to understand that we are in the middle of a revolution from traditional to the new and that for some this will be difficult. But there are formulations now, my model is one of them, formulations for making this change not only uh, successful, but also in and of itself a great step forward. Okay? So we're going to pick up, we're going to pick up the Operation Systems Improvement Template, a.k.a. the house, I'm showing you my hand, right after our next break. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live. You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're 
listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to the third segment of our show today at The Visual Workplace. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I am your host. Just before the break, we were talking about the historical context that I wanted to share with you my perspective on where the changes in leadership came from, that they did not bud out of my head, nor did they arrive with the latest thinking about how important teams are or how we have to, a leader has to lead as though they have no authority. But instead, they came out of a long evolution of our understanding of how the world works, of, and here's my definition for culture, of who I think I am and who I think the other is. That's my definition for culture, for work culture for an organizational culture, who I think I am and who I think the other is. Now, my definition for an aligned work culture is different, but building on the same base. So culture is simply an expression of who I think I am and who I think the other is, whoever the I is and whoever the other is. You can just multiply that through the organization. You see that expressed absolutely crystal clear every time you work, walk into a work culture. But an aligned work culture is something else. For me, an aligned culture, work culture is when I understand that I am you. Who I think I am, who I think you are, and I know that I am you. This is what we see at Toyota. Yes, within the confines of the Japanese um, preference for putting everything into their bands, into their neat levels, but it's still there. There is still a level of respect for the other that is vibrant, dynamic, and sound. So I look for that, and when I teach, I teach that. When I teach iDriven, which you've been hearing me talk about for three over three years now, that is the I am talking about. It is the I that resides inside of me, and that same I is inside of you. It may have different hair, different color hair. It may dress differently. It may have a different level of responsibility, but I am you. And when you teach that, there is a kind of liberation that is not just freedom. It is also contribution. We are free to contribute through that I. So, but that's a different show. Let's go on with this one. So, when I'm talking about where did our leadership model come from, you know, it's kind of like the stuff that I've been saying to you about Borg thinking. Just don't buy the thing whole hog. Don't buy what you read in books or what you see at the good conferences, repeated and repeated and repeated as gospel. Question it question it. Do not succumb to Borg thinking just because it's popular and there's a keynote speaker and 2,000 people are listening and nodding their heads. 
you can nod your head as well, but afterwards, in the quiet of your cup of coffee or in your own room or while you're taking a bath or you're taking a walk, just say to yourself, What's, what am I really uh, thinking? W- what do I really think about this and what does this really say? Think about it on more expanded levels than just popular. And I know you do this. I know you do this. You know, when we pay for something like in Borg marketing. We want to just pay the price. We don't want to pay with our brain as well. My brain is my possession and it is not currency. So let's move on. I've named for you the five visual tools or constructs that for me are core to the success of the executive as a leader of improvement. It isn't just the executive who's driving the corporate intent. But it, and achieving it, but it is the executive who is also driving improvement and improving the future, growing the company by design. And he has these five tools to help. I'm going to name them again. Operations Systems Improvement Template, X-Type Matrix, Metrics That Drive, The War Room, and The Operations Roadmap. These all work together and the sequence matters. We begin with the operations improvement template because that's where it begins for me. So it's going to take me several shows to walk through it. I will share with you my understandings and my experience. And, you know, in about another year, the book will come out. My Smart Simple Design book was completed about 18 hours ago. It should be out in about three or four weeks. We hope. We will let you know. It's a beauty, beauty, beauty. Now, now, I can, now I'm free to work on uh, visual leadership, the eye of the leader. It was such a struggle, I can't tell you. The index was a nightmare. But it's done and it's beautiful. Gorgeous, gorgeous book. Black cover with a blue ring in the center. Smart, simple design. Variety, effectiveness, and the cost of complexity. Wowzer. Wonderful designer, Ewan Sejono from Sydney, Australia. We did it long distance. I have never met him, and he's extraordinary. What beauty he has brought to my book. What beauty. You'll see. He's in Sydney. E1 uh, is his website. E, the word, uh, the letter E, and then O-N-E. E1. All right. I hope you get in touch with him. I'd, I'd love to throw a huge amount of business his way. He's so deserving, and he's so gifted. Let's get back to the topic at hand, Gwendolyn. Operations Improvement Template, Operation Systems Improvement Template. It's going to take a few shows. I think you'll find it interesting. And it capitalizes on visuality's power to structure in thinking and behavior aligned with that thinking. This is the genesis of the new leadership paradigm. It is aligned. It is effective. The Operations and Systems Improvement Template is the advanced visual organizer that provides the executive with a crystal clear understanding of the organization's strengths and deficits in terms of improvement, the improvement strengths, the improvement deficits, and what improvement means for the company. So if you were to take a quick glimpse with your own eyes at the template that I'm describing, you would see a roof, some pillars, a wide set of steps, and lots and lots of letters all over it. 
Lots of abbreviations and terms of art. SMED, Pokio, quality at the source. Kanban, pull, hijunka, visual management. A misnomer, by the way. Visual management is about 3% of the visual of the visuality spectrum. It is, does, should not be used to refer to the whole thing. It is misnaming it. But if you were to see the template I'm describing, you would be looking at, well, the Toyota Temple, the House of Toyota. And you know what? Many of you would say, oh, is that all, Gwendolyn? I already know that. I mean, thanks, I like your shows, but I already know that. What's the big deal? You're going to spend several shows on that? I've got a poster right now on my wall, says you, it's all there. What's the big deal? I already know that, you say. And I say, do you? Do you know that? Do you? Because if you do, you would know that that poster on your wall is incomplete. You would know that it was missing essential elements that in their absence make that house, that temple, inoperatable. You can't operationalize it. You can't make a go of it. You can look at it. You can admire the colors and the symmetry, but you can't make a go of it. And that is a problem. So if we were using the shorthand for this construct, calling it a house or a temple, you would set it aside if it's that poster on the wall, as not that important to you as an executive leader. You would smile and say, Gwenny, this poster is visible, but that doesn't mean it's functional. But these are my words. Just because it's visible, you can see it doesn't mean it's functional. So how do you make your house, your temple functional? How do you make it make a contribution to the corporate intent? I'm talking about the Toyota Temple. I'm talking about the Virginia Mason, a totally great healthcare conglomerate, the Virginia Mason template. I'm talking about the Danaher House, Lockheed Mount Martin's house, and probably your house. That house, the notion of that house is totally important. And the reason that Toyota can use it effectively is because it has so much infrastructure in place to make those elements alive. And we make the mistake of saying, well, I'll kind of copy this house, change the name of it. It'll be the Danaher production system instead of the Toyota production system. And then I will have my foot in the door to greatness, to success, the way Toyota does. And I will say also, if you have a Danaher poster on the wall and you're part of Danaher, that organization rocks. But it isn't because of that house. It isn't because of that image. And what I'm saying to you is there is a way of configuring that image that it actually becomes a tool and not simply a document or a photograph of the what is state. It rather is a plan, a real plan. And the beautiful thing about these flat images, these formats that we see, these posters as it were, is they show relationship. 
They show components. They show the relationship between components. But what I want to say to you is they need to show more. To be, for you to be able to operationalize them, to actually use them, they need to show more. So we're sliding into our last break of today's show, and I'm going to fill you in on some pieces when you come back and get us into the beginning part of what the house for improvement should be about, at least in my view and in my model, where I've been successful. I'll see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of our show today, where we're ramping up to talk about in detail the first of the five constructs or mechanisms that can turn an executive into a leader of improvement on the executive level. And what these constructs do... In, uh, another, from another point of view, is they ask and respond to the central question, what is motion for the executive? What does motion mean for the leader of improvement? What is moving without working? And how do we resolve that motion, dissolve that motion through visuality? This is for me the question. This is what my work is entirely about. What is motion and how do we dissolve it through visuality? And in this case, for the executive. 
So there, most leaders, most leaders have, feel a compelling need to lead. They're responsible for finding and focusing and driving the corporate intent, strategic growth, both on a tactical and a strategic level. But compelling natural leaders are rare in any field. There's always a flood of priorities that constantly compete for the resources and attention needed to find, focus, and drive, tactically and strategically. In order to succeed, the executive needs to recast his job description. She needs to become effective in a different way. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the principles and practices of visual leadership, these mechanisms. Last week, we talked about the seven elements for the executive. It began with the center was lead. But the components that surrounded this center were first decide, align, inspire, drive, verify, grow. These are the components of leadership. The first one, decide as I mentioned last week, comes from a a Latin word that means to cut in two, to say this and not that, to say this and not that. It isn't just saying this. It is saying not that, not yet, not that, not yet. What are the two things that leaders do? They formulate an effective operational strategy and they drive it. And I want to say, I want to quote from a a writer I admire a great deal, Rick Page. He wrote a great book called Hope is Not a Strategy. And a couple of lines from the book go like this. Hope is not a strategy. A system is not a strategy. The essence of strategy is allocating resources to the place and time that best exploits your competitor's weaknesses. Ooh, 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 what just happened? What happened is we got serious. We got serious about our role in the company. The essence of strategy is allocating resources to the place and time that best exploits your competitors' weaknesses. Hope is not a strategy. This is what a strategy means. An operational strategy is a system of linked capabilities that are designed by intent to maximize your own operational capability in order to exploit your competitors' weaknesses. An operational strategy is also a framework of high-performing feedback systems. But you know what? I have found that we need to add two elements to What are the two things that leaders do? I said before that first, leaders need to formulate an effective operational strategy. And secondly, they need to drive it. But in fact, I found that first, leaders need to learn how to formulate and how to drive an effective operational strategy. Then they formulate it, then they drive it, and then They need to learn how to sustain it, how to stay the course, how to stay the course. You cannot deploy a strategy without a system. You cannot build a system without structure. And this is Gwendolyn speaking now. Any strategy without a visual base will have limited effectiveness because visuality 
is structure. It is tangible. It is translating thought into form so that that form can, save as, can serve as a platform for further thinking, further measurement, further improvement. The operation systems improvement template is the first of those structured bases. It is the first, in my opinion, that you need in order to identify and then deploy your strategies. You need a mechanism with sufficient structure and built-in logic to move the enterprise from where it is today to a new horizon. And I may have time to say this before the end of the show. See if I can squeeze this in. I feel very strongly about it, so strongly that I make the analogy of saying having an, an operation system improvement template allows you to ski as compared to freeze on that favorite mountain. Let me say it this way. The vast majority of companies don't even define what work is, let alone what motion is. Attempting to lead an enterprise without the house that I'm talking about, the temple I'm talking about, where the components that are missing are now in place. Attempting to lead an enterprise without an operation systems improvement template is the difference between skiing down the powdery slopes of your favorite mountain or getting caught in a blizzard on that same mountain without skis, without food, without a compass, and without anyone even knowing you are there. You are doomed. (laughs) That sounds very, very severe, doesn't it? But I feel that way. I see leaders struggling to lead when they can barely manage. They are so far from leading and no one has told them. No one has given them the tools to actually lead, to command a direction, to decide even. Simply to say this and not that. This and not that. So the operation systems improvement template, which we will unfold next week, is the first of the five tools. And if you skip this one, you're going to go limpingly into the other four. There will always be a gap in your mind. Because this so-called house, house of uh, Toyota, this so-called house with the judoka and the just-in-time and continuous flow and pull system and stop and notify of abnormalities is not actually the way that Toyota operationalizes its system. It just gives you a kind of shorthand, but it doesn't cough up the secrets. And next week, I want to share the secrets as I see them with you. I had a wonderful time speaking with you today, as I always do. I feel you in my heart, and I'm so glad that you are listening. Please send us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com. Let us know what you think and how you think. And please tune in next week where we will continue the discussion live. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. 
Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.